So our scripture lesson today comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, and the verses will be on the screen if you'd like to follow along. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon, and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat." But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, I have to say, I think the Boykins put a lot of faith in me not going into labor early. Because <laughs> they are in Tuscaloosa. They are with Jess at Parents Weekend. Um, and then I also started thinking about how I last preached on Labor Day. This is all about laborers in the vineyard. <laughs> Seems intentional at this point. But then again, when you have something on your mind, doesn't it feel like it starts to pop up a lot more? Like if you dye your hair, you start noticing other people have dyed their hair. Or if you get a new car, suddenly you see that car out everywhere. Or if you're planning a vacation, you start hearing about all these other people who have been to the same place. So yes, I've been noticing all of the labor-related things that I've been assigned to lately. And even though it's a total coincidence, I think it's kind of funny. (laughs) But we are, as John said, in our final week in the sermon series on stories that make a difference. Each week we've been looking at parables in the New Testament and considering what the message is for us today. So far we have looked into the prodigal son, the great dinner, and today we will be those laborers in the vineyard. Though short and fictional, these parables, they have a powerful way of revealing truth to us. In the New Testament, parables often contain a truth about the kingdom of God. The phrase kingdom of God appears 53 times in the gospel, almost always from the mouth of Jesus. And the synonymous phrase kingdom of heaven, which is in our passage for today, appears 32 times in the gospel of Matthew. Throughout the accounts of Jesus's ministry, he regularly talks about the kingdom of God. And he even told people that that was part of his purpose. He said in Luke chapter 4, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, for I was sent for this purpose. 
Jesus uses everyday examples to try and get across something about this kingdom that we've never seen or fully experienced. He says the kingdom is like a mustard seed, a treasure, a merchant looking for pearls, a king who gave a banquet, or an unusually generous landowner. But even with these common element similes that we have, the crowds at the time and humans today have a hard time fully grasping what it is Jesus is trying to get across about the kingdom of God. Often because these parables can be confusing and kind of disorienting. And we ask ourselves why? Well, because we're learning about some place we've never been. We're hearing about a reality that is not like ours. And this kingdom of God that we read about is kind of upside down from the world in which we live. Take, for instance, our scripture for today. Verse 1 presents this landowner who acts as, a, acts as God rules the divine. The landowner is wealthy and goes out to secure laborers to work in his vineyard. The wage is established between the landowner and the first workers, but as the day goes on, he just says, I'll pay you whatever is right. There's no set number that's agreed upon. At the end of the day, the last workers who were hired are paid the full wage, the same as those who had been working all day. And the worker, when the workers complain, the landowner says, can I not do with what is mine what I choose? I wonder what emotion this sort of parable evokes in you. If you're like me, it makes you a little frustrated. After all, rules were created for a reason, right? To maintain structure and balance and equality. When rules and norms are thrown out the window, usually chaos ensues, frustration ensues. I'm not super proud of this, but when playing board games or card games, if someone doesn't follow the rules or they cheat, I get really angry. Like, I don't, I don't want to even play the game if it's not going to be fair. I'm not interested. So this parable, it catches my attention. Even though we know on a rational level that life isn't fair, we want to believe that it is in some ways. We carry around notions about what is right and what is just, and this story offends most of those notions. We agree, yes, everybody deserves a fair wage so they can put food on the table, they can take care of their families. But if this master is so generous, couldn't he have given a little extra to the ones who had been working all day? That would be generous and fair. So we take our place with those who were hired first, paid last, and who complain. Watching and waiting, we see that maybe our problem isn't just about the hours worked and equal pay. It's not just about equality and fairness. But if this landowner is going to play favorites, then we want to be the favored ones. If the owner is going to be ridiculously generous, we would like to experience some of that generosity, right? The feeling this brings to me is reminiscent of the story of the prodigal son with the older son. After, after his younger son has spent all of his money and hit rock bottom and comes back crawling home, you know, his dad opens up his arms full of compassion, kills the fatted calf and has this big celebration. And the older son's like, I've been here the whole time. Like, where's my peace? I don't understand. What is going on here? The landowner 
upon hearing the frustration of these workers who feel like they were gypped in some way, ponders aloud about their discontent. He says, are you envious because I am generous? This phrase is literally rendered in the King James Version, is your eye evil because I am good? In the wisdom literature, so like Proverbs and Psalms and Song of Solomon and in the New Testament, the eyes were understood as the window to the soul. So earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. So we can kind of see the wisdom of this landowner in asking, is your eye evil? Through this question, he's wondering aloud if perhaps their discontent with the day's wage says more about them than his generosity. Said another way, if seeing other people receive goodness and generosity from God causes resentment, that may indicate a deeper, more personal, spiritual problem within us. Perhaps there are things that need to be reconciled or changed in order to fully accept the compassion and goodness of God. The challenge with parables like this one is that we read them from our vantage point, from what we can see with our eyes in light of the kingdom that we know and have experienced. Remember, Jesus used these metaphors to explain something that we have never seen. It's hard to fully grasp this type of landowner and this type of pay system because that's just not how it works. Can you imagine if this is how it worked when you showed up to work tomorrow? People would revolt. People would stop working the full hours. And we would say, should we refer to the employee handbook? Like, these are the terms we agreed to. This is how much you get paid. You can't just start paying people a full day's work, whether they come in or don't. Robert Fair Capon was a writer and an Episcopal priest who studied the parables of Jesus. And about this parable and the landowner, he said, if the world could have been saved by bookkeeping, it would have been saved by Jesus. The law was working just fine. He goes on to say that the only way the world could have been saved and evil will be squashed forever is through the self-giving love of God coming down in the person of Jesus. No amount of rule-keeping or righteous living ever would have gotten us there, even if we think it would. So this parable, it is rich with lessons about the kingdom of God, Lessons that, if taken to heart, can really make a difference in the way that we live and see the world. And there are two of those lessons that I want to highlight today. The first is the one that Jesus drives home. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Not only does he say this explicitly at the end of the passage, but he demonstrates it through how he pays the workers. If you think about it, Jesus could have a well, the landowner could have avoided all of the tension in this story by just paying people in the order in which they showed up. You pay the first people first, they leave, then the second people, and everybody gets the full day's wage and nobody has to have their feathers ruffled. But Jesus did this intentionally, knowing that the first people would be watching the last people, the last people would be watching the first people. This becomes more interesting when you consider that the gospel writer Matthew was writing to a group of mixed Jews and Gentiles. 
So the Jews already believed in the God of Abraham, and they were following after Jesus, hoping that he was the messianic hope that they had been waiting for. And the Gentiles, who were at this time following Jesus in the crowds, they followed him during his lifetime, but they hadn't been following him for generations. It wasn't like their ancestors had been following after the God of Abraham. So perhaps Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is a place where all are celebrated, despite if they arrived early to faith or arrived late to faith. The last and the first will be on equal footing. There will be no hierarchy of faith and righteous living. The second and perhaps most obvious lesson we can learn from this parable is that God is outrageously generous. We all want to see ourselves as those who have been working from the beginning of the day, those who are deserving of extra attention and pay. We all want to be given affirmation for the work that we have done. But reward actually has nothing to do with our faith. The spiritual life is full of paradox because it does include a reward, the gift of salvation and entrance into this divine kingdom. But that is not why we live a life of faith. When we accept the invitation to be a laborer in this vineyard, to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies, to try and be an example to follow after Christ— we do so because of our love for God and a desire for right relationship. The gift we receive is by the grace of God, not our good works. After all, the love of God that we've received is really not fair in the first place. And by the way, would we want God to give us what we deserve? To be totally fair with us. None of us are worthy or deserving of God's gift of salvation, and yet it is offered to us without price. Ultimately, the focus of this parable, it is not on the laborers, it is not on the labor, it's not on the vineyard, or even the complaints. Rather, Jesus' parable highlights our loving God, the ultimate landowner who will go to extravagant lengths to make sure that all of humanity is cared for and welcomed into the fold. So I wonder how this parable can make a difference in your life. Our prayer is that as you wrestle with the meaning and try to understand the kingdom of God, that it will lead to some sort of transformation. Even though the kingdom of God is our eternal home, which we are working towards, we can begin to experience it here and now when we respond to the love and compassion of God by giving that same love and compassion to other people. So may we do so in good faith. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.